ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is Welcome to Hard to Paint with David Grubb, and today I am joined by a living legend, one of the great LSU football players of all time, two-time All-American, SEC Player of the Year, um, just, he still sits atop the all-time receiving receptions record, all-time receiving yardage record, and he's number 12 in total yards. And nine of the 11 people ahead of him are running backs. <laughs> it, ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome to the show, first time guest, Mr. Wendell Davis. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, David. I'm glad, good I could join you tonight. It, do, just on that, just quickly, all those years, it's been, what, 30 years Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking this because I've watched you play, you know. Yeah, it's been and, a while. Um, and you're still sitting right there in all the explosion of numbers that you've seen in college football. And you really did it in really two years because your you're freshman year didn't play. Sophomore year didn't put up right. a ton of numbers. So right. you really did it in two seasons. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There you are still sitting up top. Still sitting in in the fray, you know. I, I think some of those uh, records have come off the board, but uh, uh, you know, they, I can tell you, David, all the fun times I had it uh, with uh, the Tigers, man, uh, had a lot of help, brother. A lot of help, um, quarterbacks, all my teammates. Really, you know, I give them a lot of the credit for for my accomplishments. But, uh, you know, just looking back on it and seeing what these young guys are doing today, man, it's just amazing. You know, I wish I could have had some of their skills, man. <laughs> but those guys are amazing, you know. Uh, look at the Beckhams and the Landrys and, you know, the young guys that are coming out. You know, it's just, it's just amazing to see. But uh, the bar was set, you know, and I'm glad these guys are just, uh, you know, breaking, breaking the bar, man. But you still you have one mark that nobody will ever touch, that no one can touch, because um, from 1933 to 2001, there was <laughs> yeah. only an SEC Player of the Year. There was no yeah. Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. You're the only wide receiver to ever win SEC Player of the Year. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. Realize, I learned something new. So there you go. And so yeah, no one can yeah. touch that record because there's no no longer going to be that only SEC player of the year since they split it up. So you were the only one to accomplish that feat. Um, and wow. I, I, there's something, I you know, that 80s LSU era, mid to late 80s. Yeah. And there were some, you know, great, just tons of great players that came through. The Harvey Williams, the Dalton yeah. Hilliers, Gary James, um, you know, yourself, all those players that came through. But it seems almost at that era, the Arn Sparger and the early part of the Mike Archer era, yeah, it's not really discussed that much um, anymore. It, why do you think a very successful period in LSU's history, you guys made some Sugar Bowls, had some double-digit yeah. win seasons in there. Why has yeah. that era kind of fallen to the wayside? You know, that, that, that's a good question, David. Um, 
uh, and it's hard to put your put my finger on it. But uh, you're right. We did have some some great athletes come out at the time. We put together some great seasons, uh, and it, it was it just happens right uh, when I got to LSU. Things were starting to turn over. Things were starting to turn over. Bill Onsbar, remember, uh, Stovall had just been been fired, and you know things were starting. You know, people people really didn't expect much because of the firing of Stovall. Uh, but Bill Onsbach and his staff came in and they, they really put a uh, program together. Uh, and, and why uh, it's kind of like not talked about a lot. It's, it's hard to put my finger on it. Uh, I, I think probably because of the uh, not being able to get a national championship, uh, you know, which is the ultimate goal. Uh, I know we, uh, when I first got there, we hadn't helped won a bowl game in years, um, but we did win managed to win three bowl games while I was there, but the national championship escaped us. And I think, you know, if, and that's the ultimate goal to get the national championship. And if you don't get that, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, and then someone comes along, teams comes along after that and you get two, you know, you kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, you know, what do you, what do you fit in on that, you know, on that, on that pole, you know, it's kind of like, okay. We got two national championships, and then year below that, and you know. But I, I, I you know, I, I take pride in what we did, because I think uh, we really set a, a foundation there at uh, LSU. I think uh, it was something to build on, and uh, I think we got better and better. I, I admit that we we took a couple steps back at times, but the program got better and better and better, and people started expecting a lot of out of LSU football after that. The amount of pros, you know, that that's never been something that's been unusual for LSU to produce a lot of NFL talent. And you had a lot of NFL talent around you, like you said, to help um, make your career what it was. Um, why has that? You know, you came from Shreveport, um, but Louisiana, as we know, year in and year out, produces this high number of professional talent in football in, uh, in particular. What is it? that makes Louisiana athletes a cut um, above or just of a different breed? Oh, that's a, oh man. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the water or something. The food. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I do love me some Cajun food. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, I mean, it, and, and of course it started way before I got to LSU. I mean, you, I mean, you go back to, I mean, Carlos Carson, and you go back to Alexander. I mean, you go, to, you go back to all these guys um, but uh, Dalton Hilliard, uh, I, Eric, I mean, Eric Martin from, from Texas, but I mean, still, uh, it, it goes back a long way. Uh, I, I think football is big in Louisiana. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, um, unlike other, you know, kind of like Texas, football is big in Texas, but football is big in Louisiana as well. And um, I think it's, it's just what you grow up watching. Grow up doing a lot of guys, um, young athletes. They grow up wanting to be football players, and you know, um, I, I think that has to do something with it. But uh, it, it's it's hard to say, you know. But we do produce a lot of NFL players, uh, a lot of guys that uh, are in the league today. From I mean, I, I sit there and I look at the rosters, and I say, man, they got about four or five LSU guys on the team. You know, you look at the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, it's like, good gracious, you know, it's, uh, I remember one time I was, I, Kansas City was like a pipeline. Yeah. 
for LSU players, man. D I mean, linemen, more D receivers. I was like, man, they just picking off everybody out of LSU. So it, it was, you know, it's just interesting. LSU, and, and I think a lot comes from just the way we play down there in, uh, in Louisiana. You know, everybody talks about Death Valley. Uh, you know, people up here in Chicago, you know, don't know what it's like to play in Death Valley. You know, the noise, the fans, the tailgate. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's like it's, it's legendary, you know. So, uh, you know, I think some of that has something to do with it as well. What was it like in those locker rooms with all those talented guys around you? Did y'all know that you were going to make it to the next level? Did you push each other to make it to the next level? What were those practices like on a day-to-day basis with all those guys? Yeah, I, I tell you, it was challenging. It was a challenge every day because guys wanted to get better. We wanted to win. You know, we wanted to win. We wanted to push each other. Uh, you had a lot of one-on-one competitions going on, you know, uh, and that went throughout the whole practice, you know, guys challenging each other and trying to make each other better. So it, it wasn't like, uh, and, and we know you, you had coaches to hold you accountable too, you know, cause we know if we didn't have a good practice, uh, Bill Onsbarger would start that thing over, man. And, uh, you know, guys didn't want to, you know, you get into a practice and you almost at the end and you starting over, that's not good. You know, so uh, it, it uh, you know, it was very challenging, but I think we all got better. The, and, and, and the goal was to get better and not as individuals, but also as a team. And uh, I think uh, just by challenging each other, uh, that really helped us uh, become become better players. We were starting to see that shift in the early 80s. First, you know, um, in Miami and then with Arn Sparger coming to LSU, you start to see those NFL coaches with NFL experience coming to the college mm. level. Um, mm. And we've seen that much more over the last decade or so. Um, at the time, how much of an advantage when you transitioned from college to the NFL, having that NFL level staff around you at LSU, mm. That make your transition easier? Um, a little easier. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't lie to you, man. That, <laughs> that step. That's that step up still is a, big uh, step. It's a it's a beast, man. <laughs> it's a big step, man. Because you got to, not only you know you, you're talking about stuff on the field. You have to take care. Of, you're talking about stuff outside the field. Now you know you you got a job. You know, so it's a it's a big transition. Uh, but having having coaches who um, who understood the game and who who coached at the next level, uh, preparing you for that, it, it helped. It helped in that transition. You know, uh, uh, sometimes uh, I know in my situation, um, the the coach reached back to the receiver coach at LSU, Jerry Jerry Sullivan or, or uh, Bill Onsborg, and say, hey. What can we do? What what do you, what you guys do? We want to bring that to the Chicago Bears and let them let us let him flourish in this system. So I mean, they trusted our coaches with with the game plan that they had for me in college. So uh, and I, I don't know if that still goes on, but um, you know, it, it kind of gives you an advantage. You make that transition. You go from LSU, one of the most storied programs in college football, to the Chicago Bears, one of the most storied programs in professional football. Mm-hmm. And you're playing at Soldier Field, and it kind of starts off slow for you. Your first three years, mm-hmm. you're figuring your way out. 
Mm-hmm. But years four and five, lead the team in receptions, lead the team in receiving yards, most mm-hmm. total receiving touchdowns over those two years. What clicked for you after year three that really mm-hmm. got you going and acclimated to the NFL? Well, um, one, one thing that happened was um, there, there was, um, I guess I, I had to fight for a position. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to come from college and, and going to the pros and, you know, people say positions and we say jobs. Right. <laughs> you know, it's hard to fight for a job, man, because this guy don't want to give up his job. Uh, so um, things happen a little different. Um, you know, you really have to um, come in ready, ready to go and, and really, really polish to really take over somebody's job. I don't think I was there yet. Uh, so it was more of a transition. And in that transition, you know, I was splitting time. Uh, so, you know, which I hated, you know, it's it's like, you know, you go in this series, this guy goes in the next series and, and you just could never get a rhythm, never get a rhythm. And and uh, so that went on for the first uh, season. And then uh, finally I had to go to, <laughs> to the man, Hey Dick and say, I can't do this, man. I need to, I need to play. You know, I need to, I need to start so I can get a rhythm and stay in the game. And so um, things happened. And then the following year, I was kind of played with some injuries, uh, which held me back. Um, and um, at the end of the, at the end of that second year, I started getting my feet up on them. And then the third year is when I really start, start performing well. You played in one of the most memorable playoff games in the history of the league, the Fog Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Can, can you even Maybe describe? I can't, I can't explain. I can't, I can't explain. Yeah. You know what I, you know, <laughs> you know what I, I, I tell people when they ask about that game? I don't know if you watched the, the Ten Commandments. Yes. When, when, uh, when, back, the, when the smoke in the comes in. Yeah, <laughs> when the smoke comes, start coming over the, you know, the play cut. That's what it was, man. And, and we're standing there looking, and this thing just comes over the stadium and just just sits down, and it just settles. And, you know, we're out there like, man, what is going on? And they wanted to stop the game, but they, they kept it going. And literally, you couldn't see five yards, five to ten yards in front of your face. And they told us to just keep going. And uh, luckily uh, – it was a defensive play where our defense was on the field. And, you know, Philly, uh, was it Philly? Yeah, Philly had the ball. And next thing you know, everybody heard interception. And I remember and, that play. And, <laughs> and interception, Maurice Douglas. And it was like, oh, we like, nobody can see him, you know. And it was like, he made an interception. And that really kept us from losing that game. But it was, it was a, it was just, it's just weird, man. Just weird as hell. But uh, I was a part of it, and you know, hey, <laughs> it turned out good. We won. But I mean, you had to be thinking at that point. You know, three out of the four first four years you're in the league, double digit wins. Chicago, you feel like, oh, we're rolling. You beat the Saints in the rolling. playoffs. You yeah, know, you, yeah. You know, you and and then Ditka gets fired after yeah. the next season. Yeah. You bring in Dave Wanstead, and then that's where your life changes, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On a Sunday really afternoon in Philadelphia, 
And I will never forget that. And I don't want to go too deep into it, but um, it was something that if people don't remember what veteran stadium was like, it was something that players and coaches had complained about the playing surface there for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And in this game, you're, you had a essentially a career ending injury um, where your kneecaps were separated from your, your, your knees essentially. And uh, in that moment, you're, you, you know, you've had these two years where you feel like I'm, I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you're I, on yeah. the turf. What does what does that what does that feel like? Well, it, it was um, before I go there. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that year is a transition year for 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 the Bears. Mm-hmm. Dick was out. Wanstead was in, like you said. And um, you know how you know how it is when a, when a new coach comes in. Um, they're not familiar with you. They have their own ideas, how they want things to run. And, and that's fine. I understand that, you know. Uh, but honestly, I thought that that might have been my last year anyway with the Bears, not the last year of football, because um, I could tell he had his ways of how he wanted to run this team. And coming from Dallas and being used to Michael Irvin and, you know, Aikman and that whole – you know, combination, you know, how, how NFL, we're copycat league, man. Mm-hmm. You know, let's take this footprint and put it over here and see, you know, you know, win us a championship. So they were looking for somebody in those modes. So I kind of figured, you know, that that was probably it. So the night before the game, uh, I'm a believer. So I'm, I'm praying and, you know, and I'm asking for some, some guidance here and, you know, uh, that, that everything turns out great, show me a sign. And sure enough, that next day, <laughs> I got a sign. Um, uh, um, I, I went up for a routine. Uh, it was a routine pass pattern. Jim Harbaugh was quarterback at the yep. time, uh, threw the ball and kind of underthrew it. And I was just making an adjustment, making an adjustment to the ball. And when I made the adjustment, my feet got caught in the turf. And as I was going up, my feet stayed down and my patella tendon ruptured, both of them ruptured at the same time. And uh, so I, I heard the snip and, you know, it was just pain for the for the most part at the beginning. And um, after the pain, um, you know, all I could think about is, is my family. Uh, my wife, I had, had a, my wife and I had a young daughter at home. I thought about them and then I thought about what I prayed about and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready to go on a journey here. So um, after that, after the pain stopped, the, the trainers come out, Richard Denton and uh, Fridge come over and they're like, man, you okay? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't think so, man. And uh, then the trainer comes, I say, man, he said, which knee is it? <laughs> I, say, I say, it's both knees. He's like, what? I said both knees. And so uh, I looked down there. They finally pulled my pads up. And, uh, of course, my, my kneecaps had moved into the thigh area. So I essentially had no knees, really. And uh, so after that, they, they they rolled me off, x-rayed me, got me in the shower. And I came out in the tunnel, man, and I, I watched the rest of the game, flew back on the plane with the with the team, went from the, from the plane to the hospital, uh, had surgery the next day, 
Uh, no, two days later, I think it was. And I had surgery on both knees at the same time. So uh, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was rough to go through it. I wouldn't lie to you. Uh, I think I grew though. I grew a lot. Um, I learned a lot about myself. And uh, so, um, but I, I'm, I'm glad I went through it. I think it made me a better person. I want to go deeper into what you said where you were asking for this sign, but did it take you a while to accept it? Because you did try to come back. Did it just, did, it, did you feel like you wanted to try for yourself just to see if you could, or was there something in you that you just weren't ready to let go of yet? A little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. I wasn't ready to let go of it. Uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I was, I mean, I was hitting my stride. I, I thought I had, a, uh, you know, at least three, four good years left in me. Uh, and I hit that stride and I didn't want to let it go. Um, and then I wanted to see, you know, I needed an opportunity to see if, if it was time to let it go. Uh, fortunately for me, I, I got that opportunity with the coach. Um, uh, signed with the Indianapolis Colts, and you know he said, "Hey, let's see what you can do. You know, you can you're gonna rehab for a year, and if you can come back from it, you know, then we 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 feel we made a good investment, and we can you know we have a, a good solid receiver. But uh, over that year, I tried, and I just couldn't turn it over like I used to, you know. And uh, what really made me realize that it was time to go is when we're at uh, at camp at, uh, I think it was uh, off-season camp. <laughs> and, you know, you have one-on-ones going on, right? And you 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 got the receivers on one side and the DBs on the other side. And so I happened to look up and I see DBs counting. You know, they counting like, okay, you know. They, so I, I'm like, what are they counting for? So come to realize they count to see, okay, what number is he? Cause I wanna, I wanna go against him. I wanna go, and that right there, David told me it's time to give it up. Cause that ain't never been you in your life. No, <laughs> nobody no, ever asked. No, I ain't never, they ain't never asked for that ass whipping. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean to say that, but <laughs> they, they never asked for that. You know, I was like, man, it's time to go. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that. I was in the right mind frame to realize that, you know, I've, I've run across a lot of, a lot of, a lot of guys that can't give it, give it up or they wait too late to give it up. Um, and I still run, I still mentor kids who try, who've been trying to get in the league. And, you know, I, I, I take them through a phase where, you know, you, you got to let them get it out. Cause I, I, I want to get it out. You let, you let them get it out and then you have to let, let them know that, this life after football. So, um, but um, that's kind of what it was. When you make that transition from, from pro football and you did some coaching, you did mm -hmm. other things as well. How active though were you in the union as a player? Because now that mm -hmm. does play such a big part of your life. Mm -hmm. What was your perception of the union as a player and, and how strong it was? Because my entire adult life and, and much of it, I've always been told the NFL Players Union is the most difficult union to manage because of mm. the sheer numbers and mm. the, the brevity of the careers. Mm -hmm. Did you understand mm -hmm. that then? And how much better do you understand that now? 
Yeah, I, I did not understand back then. Um, as a young player, um, you don't think about those things. Uh, and I must say it was a different time back then. Uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There were some guys that, that probably thought along those lines. Um, but back then, I know I did, you know, my, my, I was going to play a number of years. I was going to make all this money. All that other stuff was not on my mind. It was only because of some older guys, some guys that, that kind of mentored me and said, look, you need to go to these meetings. You need to go and hear what they're saying. You know, this is this is about life after playing football. This is about benefits that will benefit you and your family long term. You need to go listen to these people, listen to them. So I started doing that probably like two or three years into to my career and started taking it seriously. Uh, and it was just through that guidance from those, those older guys that got me involved with the union and understanding what it's about and how important it is uh, to the players and then the role that it plays. Um, so that's kind of how I got involved in it back in the day. And now that I'm, I am the chapter president here in Chicago, um, you know, it's so much better, so much better. I, I think one thing that in, in the players, are so much, so much better than I was. I'll put it that way. When it comes to things like this, about uh, the union, about your finances, about because I think it's all it's all David's always been about being educated, mm -hmm. right? Being ex being exposed to it, and I think the union has done a great job over the years exposing our young players, people coming in and educating them about what the union is about, about what this football life is about. So guys come in, they're prepared, they're better educated on things, on finances, on all their benefits, they're better educated on. So, it, you know, the union plays a big role right now. And I think it's, uh, uh, it's very beneficial to all players, not only just the, the current players, but the former players as well. We can talk about the relationship between the current and the former players. At times it's been difficult. Mm -hmm. um, when you mm -hmm. talk about the sharing of revenue, we talk about increasing pensions and health care um, mm -hmm. for retired players. How do you, you know, have those conversations to educate younger players on really what those conditions were like when you played, how much different right. they were and right. how it, it like how many players are physically yeah. financially yeah. ravaged right right one in their lives because of everything they gave to the game right you know and and, and david it's it's like a cycle right it's like a cycle i can just tell you from my experience when when i came in the league and okay the money i was making it's like you know i was making good money but guys that came before me, they were they were not making as much as I was making. But then the guys that came before them, they were not making as much as those guys were making before, you know, after they. So it's, it's like a cycle. It just kept, it kept building on. But you have to strip it all the way back down to when these guys were holding down two jobs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and playing football. These guys that been, was going on strike 
and these guys that really, um, really paved the way. And you have to, you have to educate from that standpoint, um, because right now all people see is all, all the money, and the benefits and all, all the stuff that the guys get today. And they tend to forget about the guys that built the game. And it's just a matter of educating uh, the current players about that. And, 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 and they get it. They get it. And as you can see in our new CBA, they get it. They, they, they really took care of the, the former players uh, by increasing their pensions, uh, by giving them more benefits. Uh, and, I, and I think they get it. And they, they realize that uh, a, lot of, a lot of the things that they're enjoying today is because of the, the backs, comes off the backs that the, the guys that before them. Uh, really just stood in the gap for us, man, because it was, I mean, I can, I mean, I, I'm the chap here in Chicago. I got players, former players, man, in the 70s, 75, and to sit around and, and, and talk about what they used to do. <laughs> and and, it, and it's, it's kind of like there's such a, there could, there could be such a big disconnect sometimes uh, when, when, when they, when, when a, a former, uh, I say a more mature player says a mature player sees a young guy who's making ten million dollars a year when he made six thousand dollars, and that you know there's gonna be a big disconnect sometime you know on on just a lot of different issues, and the the goal is to to kind of bring that together so everybody can at least be on the same page and and uh, everybody benefits. So that's that's kind of uh, where we are right now. How do you balance? Because the the, the the strength of unions around the country has been tested. Yeah, we've seen yeah. this over the last several decades, where unions overall have been pushed on and, and weakened by and large. Mm-hmm. And the NFL mm-hmm. is no exception to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Owners are making more money than ever. ever. I've never seen an owner sell a ever. team for less than when they bought it. Ever. And yeah. I try, even in this, the COVID world right now, I've, when I talk about league finances for sports, I say none of these owners really lost money. They made less. That's money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you go back to a league that, that is still setting its mind on double digit billions of, of, of revenue, and you see them still kind of trying to inch the player pot backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your relationship can't help but be adversarial, right. but it's necessarily adversarial. Exactly. But when these these confrontations happen, can you explain to me why fans will go and support the owner's position and push back on the players when you are far much more likely to be in the position that the players live in than you will ever be in the position yeah. that the owners come from? Yeah, uh, and that, that's a good one. That's a good one, uh, explaining that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I um, trying to explain that is very difficult. I, I think it's, it's just what, 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 um, I don't know, what, what the fans see. Um, uh, you see a person who makes, um, say, $10 million, makes, you know, all the money that they're making now. And you get to see this person at work, right? You get to see this person at work every every Sunday during the season. Everything's out there for you to see. 
So you're not being you're not only being evaluated by your your boss, you're being evaluated by the fans as well. So if 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 I if I'm a fan and I, I look at, at at you, David, and you playing receiver, and I go, I don't I don't like him, you know, because he you know he he dropped the ball today, or he he didn't do what what he's supposed to do, so he's not that good. So I don't like him. He don't deserve he don't deserve ten million dollars, you know. Our a player's work is out there to be seen every day and to be judged not only by his employer but by the fans. And so I think sometimes the fans feel that, why, why are you paying these guys? You, you already make $10 million. You remember you dropped that ball, you didn't perform well in that game. Why should you get more money? $10 million should be enough. And they think that all that $10 million is guaranteed money. Yes. <laughs> they do. Right? They, they, they think they... <laughs> They, and we don't end up on contracts. They, they don't understand the contracts. Mm-hmm. They think it's all guaranteed money. Not knowing that, hey, I have to, players are taking a risk every time they step onto the football field. Every time, not just in the game. Every time they step onto the football field, they take a risk. I've seen so many players in uh uh, careers in on the practice field. Mm-hmm. Are they uh, and now are the owners obligated to pay them their their contracts? No, not all the time. They say no, you didn't make the roster, so you only you only guaranteed this much money. That ten million, you no, you only get this much. Or guys right? who come to camp and they don't have a contract, they don't get paid a thing unless they I make the roster. Unless you make the roster, but they out there taking that risk, and so the union comes in to say, "Hey, we got to put some 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 rules in place here." You know, you know they 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 want us to come in and do OTAs and all this kind of stuff. It's just every time you step on the field, that's that we're taking that risk. Mm-hmm. The players are taking that risk, and it you know and and so I think sometimes fans don't understand that. They, they, you know, when guys hold out, you know, when guys are holding out for more, oh, why is he holding out for more money? He needs to get in, you know. They don't understand why they're holding out. They're holding out because that's the only guaranteed money they're going to get. Right? If I'm going to get the signing bonus, I'm going to hold out for the signing bonus. If I can get $10 million in the signing bonus, I'm going to get it because the rest of that other $45 million contract, I might not get that's for I the agent. That's for the yeah, agent that, to be able to show somebody, I got you four years, fifty-five million. Exactly. 55 and they would million. twelve of that guaranteed. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so that's that. I mean, it's it's a lot that goes into it, and you know, and you can't blame, you can't really can't blame the fans because they they don't know all that stuff that goes on behind the closed doors. Um, but that's why it's important that we have a union that can represent the players at all times, in all situations, uh, not only while they're playing, but also after they're playing. I think one of the things that the NFL, um, you know, really suffered from after the Colin Kaepernick situation and just how it deals with um, African-American players and executives and the society at large, 
Um, you have been involved in mentoring and working with companies and developing uh, minority uh, prospects, candidates across industries. When you look at how the NFL does it and the incentivization of hiring the way it's been done with draft picks and this, it almost feels in my mind as a bit of an insult that you have to give someone a reward to do the right thing, to do the just thing, to give a man an opportunity. Cause that's ultimately, that's all I think we've ever asked that's for as is. people is, is the opportunity mm -hmm. to, to succeed or fail on our own merits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We saw the league do, you know, they put the, it's all in together in racism stuff on the end zones, but that kind of died away pretty quickly. And here we are at the end of the, the season and, and it doesn't feel like the messaging was particularly strong. It didn't speak to the people that needed to hear it the most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's kind of recessed back into the background again. Mm -hmm. How do mm -hmm. players keep their pressure on the lead to live up to what it says it wants to be? Well, yeah, yeah, they have to, you know, um, it's going to be a challenge. Um, um, I, I think the players have to hold hold the league accountable. Uh, and, the, and the best way to do that is keep it front of mind, top of mind to 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 the to the league, to the owners. And the best way to do that is is keep it top of mind in everything that that goes on in the NFL. And then and that's starting from from um, you know we talk about uh, ownership, right? <laughs> uh, that's where you have to start. You know, um, talk about diversity. You know, I work in diversity. Uh, you got to start at the top. Yeah, when I when I when the company I work for, if I if I don't have the buy-in from my boss, then I don't think I can get anything done, right? People be, oh, they just blow you, they'll be blowing me off. But I need some support from the top. So it starts at the top and ownership. You know, we, we have, honestly, we need to diversify ownership. Mm -hmm. That ain't gonna just happen. You have to be intentional in doing that. You know, you have to be intentional. You have to go out and you have to look you know, in, in, in my industry right now, you, you get a lot of, oh, we can't find any diverse suppliers. <laughs> you, you ain't know? looking. Oh. <laughs> well, where are you looking, you know? If that's the, where are you looking? Let me help you look, you know? Um, so they want to use that, but you, you have to be intentional in doing it. And so it starts at the top with the ownership. I think it comes down to uh, then the, the personnel. I mean, you have to diversify your personnel uh, and then the, the coaching definitely has to be <laughs> diversified more. I think, you know, we, I think the, the league has played around in that space a little bit, you know, um, <laughs> with uh, the Rooney rule. Um, I, 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 I get it, but I don't get it. Right. Um, you know, if you have to put in a Rooney rule to, to just get, somebody in to say, okay, we interviewed them. I mean, that, I, we can do better. They can do better than that. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Truly, they can do better than that. And then uh, because I, I think if you look at our league, everybody see that it's what, 80%, almost 90% uh, diverse African-American. I mean, it's, it's uh, so it just ha- it has to start, start at the top, David. And, it, and if it don't start there, if they're not intentional about doing it, I don't. I don't think it. It, it will. It will change much. Um, but I, I think uh, once they once they started at the top, you'll see some change. I, I think the coaching definitely has to change at some point. Uh, gonna have to let because there's some a lot of qualified guys out there that can coach uh, that has played the game that has experience. Uh, they just need an opportunity. You know, they need an opportunity to do it. And that's on the collegiate level. It's on the high school mm-hmm. level. It's on yeah. the pro level. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And you see this where the rules continually change. They say, yeah. well, first you got to get coordinator experience, but we see people getting pulled in as special teams guys and getting head coaching jobs. We see guys yeah. who never yeah. coordinated anything at 32 yeah. years old getting head yeah. coaching positions. Yeah. They tell you you need head coaching experience at some level. And then we see guys. So you say, well, you know, we don't want, but all those people that you told black folks you had to be, or you couldn't be, they've gotten those opportunities, but you get career assistants who never get above being linebacker coach. Yep. Yep. And and, 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 and I I hate to sound like a broken record, but it starts at the top, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's like you have to be intentional. I mean, uh, I, I think there's a lot of qualified minority coaches uh, who, who could go to the next level without being a, a coordinator, um, you know, I, uh, but it's not happening. The, the, the thing that gets me, though, now this, this is what really gets me, is when it's when uh, <laughs> it's when you have someone who becomes a head coach, a minority head coach. They don't do well, right? Or they might, you know, it might fail uh, the first time out. You rarely see them get another shot. You rarely see them get a shot, and 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 that just that just gets in my craw, man. Because I, I see I see other coaches who go and they they stay with a team. For four, five years, don't have a great, don't have a winning season, but they get another job as a head coach, and I and that just that that kills me. I, I remember when uh, uh, what's the linebacker? This was back. This was back when when they were talking about black quarterbacks. Oh yeah, um, Romanowski. Uh, no, not Romanowski. Um, um, he played here. He played here. He's he's a uh, he, he is, he's a linebacker coach now. Played it uh, for Philly. Oh, Kelly, oh, I don't think his name. Oh. Uh, man, and he did a little. He did a little uh, radio and television here before he started getting into coaching. Oh man, I can't think of his name. But in, anyway, I had a friend of father come to me. But he made a statement one time because it was it was they were talking about uh, <laughs> black quarterbacks and you know uh, and, and you know everybody thinking you know black quarterbacks. Uh, can't you know? Uh, they they they're good athletes. They're not quarterbacks. They're not thinking that whole that whole thing. And he said, you know, the one thing he said he said he said 
you know what? There's a lot. He said, I want to see a lot of bad, bad black quarterbacks. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He said, why well, don't I see a lot of bad black quarterbacks? He said, I know I see a lot of bad white quarterbacks. You know, the reason why you see them because they have an opportunity to play, right? So <laughs> you got a lot of guys that had an opportunity to play but didn't work out. But you don't have a lot of black guys that had an opportunity to play quarterback and it didn't work out. Like I, the only yeah. journeyman, like in my lifetime, the only journeyman black quarterback that I remember <laughs> is Vince Evans. Vince Evans, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Vince, Vince got to hang around for a long time. Yeah. And he was, yeah. he was only a starter for maybe like two years out of his career. And he yeah, started in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah, he started yeah. a little bit in, in, in L.A. or Oakland. LA, yeah. And, yeah. But Vince was like, that's it. You didn't no. have guys who got to be journeymen. Journeymen hang around. You, yep. you don't do that. You don't get to be second string for five six, seven years. You don't get to have the Ryan Fitzpatrick experience where you can win Please. three games a year and keep getting eight, nine, Deep 10, 15 million dollars. You got to be exceptional. You either yeah. starting or gone. Are you off or you're gone. Right, right. And and, and that's how I almost had his name. <laughs> I almost had his name. He escaped me. But uh, yeah, but that, that was that was just profound what he said to me. I was like, you know, you're right. You don't, you don't see a lot of bad black quarterbacks because, you know, they don't get the opportunity, you know? So I, I do, I'm hopeful though, David, it's going to change. I don't know how, I think diversity in the NFL is going to change. I think, I think NBA uh, does a great job, uh, does a lot better than, than the NFL. Um, but uh, I think it'll change in the NFL and I think it'll change in the, uh, in the, in the college league as well in the college. I want to get your thoughts on this, and this is an opinion that I have, that football represents the status quo for America mm. in a lot of ways. It's, it's what a, a certain segment of Americans want the country to be. There is mm. that regimentation mm. of it. There is a sense of place. Mm. And, I, and I also, it, there is a, a hierarchy that serves that traditional understanding. There are, there's a white man at the top, there's a number of, of blacks working underneath who do the work and, and those things, and the order is kept. And and I'm I'm it's something that you view in the over use of the patriotism, the, the deals mm-hmm. that the NFL has made with the military over the years, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. very presentation of it, mm-hmm. where it does not embrace a certain part of its own personality. You know, still all the things, whether it was Homer um, Mitchell, uh, excuse me, Homer uh, Jones inventing a spike and that being a problem, whether it's Billy White shoes in the seventies and eighties, whether it's the fun bunch and, you know, and all those guys, there's always been this pushback as black folks have tried to put more of themselves into the game and carve those spaces out. But the NFL wants to maintain its position as the American sport. And that mm. means something very specific to a large mm. group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that could have some, 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 some truth in it for me as well. Um, I think, um, I do think the NFL is so far behind, uh, other sports, um, 
other than hockey. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think the NFL is so far behind. It's so far far behind uh, basketball. It's so far behind baseball, uh, and, and even I mean baseball is probably one of the the most American games that you know they they tout. But I think NFL has has fallen behind that. Um, um, only thing I say to that, David, is I'm hopeful. Um, and the reason why I'm hopeful because there's, there's change and, it, and it's change going to happen because it's going it's going to happen in spite of what they're doing. Uh, it's going to happen is and it's happening right before their nose because uh, it's not only just going to happen in football. It's happening in this country and it's happening in this world. Demographics are changing. The world, the, the world is browning. You can, you can, you can accept it or don't accept it, but it, it's browning. And people in business are starting to realize who, because because in business is all about the bottom line. And so my bottom line depends on my what? My customers. So 10 to 20 years from now, what is your customer going to look like? It's, it's, the skin's going to be a little browner. It's okay. going, it's, it's going. It's getting younger and, and browner. younger. Yep. Yep. And so they're going to, either they're going to make this adjustment, <laughs> kicking and screaming, <laughs> or they're going to make this adjustment, uh, accepting the facts. So I, I, I think at some point that whole NFL, the, the, the shield, the shield is very powerful, but it looks like it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna change. It's gonna have to change. And uh, if it doesn't, there's gonna be something that's gonna take its place. I really do. There, guys are, guys are a lot wealthier now. Yes. Right? Uh, you got guys in basketball, football, and all sports that are investing in all kind of things. They're gonna have they're gonna have the wherewithal. They're gonna have the finances to do their own thing, and then it's really gonna be something to see, right? Because uh, well, guess what's gonna happen? That younger generation is gonna flock to the new product. Yeah. So. It might not be in my lifetime, but I, I, I think I think it'll happen. Well, I think that there there will be some direct challenges to our major sports leagues over the um, next several years because that model, as from the NCA model, which mm. we see is, has been broken for a long time, mm. um, that players are no longer accepting that as the status quo. I think their parents are getting more educated on what the true value of their child mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And do not want to be exploited in that manner. And yeah. I think, as, as you said, as professional athletes start realizing, okay, we can marshal our money. Right. The, at, the outlets to broadcast are far more than it was when you, when, when you were playing. People over, <laughs> it was CBS <laughs> and NBC ABC. and ABC at Monday Night Football. And that was it. That was it. That was it. You're but right. now... There, you can broadcast anywhere, anytime with low cost and high value production values. 
and players yeah. can get ownership of themselves. And yeah. there are partnerships to be made with other businesses that don't have to be billionaires to no. get a municipal stadium, put yeah. 40,000, because we also know the fan experience is fans are less likely to go to stadiums than they ever were because yeah. it's more comfortable and more at less home. expensive. Right, right at home, yeah. So Big screen at home, coaches. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see it, and I think it's a good thing. Yeah, uh, because competition is what these leagues need. I think to to like you said, either adapt or die. Yep, yep. They're gonna do one. They're, they're gonna try to. They're gonna try to. You know, they're gonna spend more. They're gonna spend all the money trying to to bow to everybody else. You know, and, and I don't think that's gonna happen. But uh, <laughs> I, I I I I think change is gonna come. I think somebody they're gonna realize what's what's going on. And uh, you know, it should be an exciting time. I think the more the merrier, the more diverse it is, the better the product's gonna be. And uh, you know, it, and it's still the people at the top start thinking that way. You know, we we got to settle for you know the good old NFL the way it is right now. You know, uh, but it's it's still it's still a good product. Yes, I mean you know you you can't help but be amazed. Yeah. at what they can do physically and the gifts that players have oh, and the, wow. the, the evolution of, of athletes and, and the game. Um, at the same time, we also know more about those impacts on yeah. players um, than yeah. we ever have, both emotionally mm-hmm. and mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, how much, how active are you on that part of it in, in understanding players and, and, and the long-term impacts of CTE and things like that? And also just, like you said, that adjustment of when your career is over. And for most yeah. guys, it doesn't end on your, on your terms. It ends on right. somebody else's terms. Right, I think. And making yeah. that mental adjustment. Yeah, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, ending on your terms. Um, a lot of that goes on in the NFL. I, I think in a, lot, in a lot of pro sports, but especially in the NFL, ending on your terms, you know, when you want to go out, when you play the, doing a Drew Brees. Nah, okay, I want to retire, you know, you know, at, at this time and have my kids announce it, you know, that don't happen. <laughs> that don't happen for, for 90% of the people in this league. You know, you either retire because you get injured or you retire because you get fired and you can't get hired again, right? And so when it when it happened those two ways, then it really becomes a challenge for guys to uh, transition. And in that transition, you got to deal with, you know, the injuries that you sustained while you played. You know, now you have to deal with the CTE. You know, if you suffered a concussion, or if you you know if you're going to have CTE, and then you talk about all the emotional stuff that goes along with that. Um, so it's, it's really a challenge and that's, that's why it's good for, for our union who have all the, that we have all these programs that we can get our, our guys involved in, uh, to make sure that we we're trying to stay on top of those things. Um, uh, but dealing with CTE has been, uh, top of the list, uh, for a lot of our chapters around the nation. Uh, not only that, uh, you know, there's guys who, you know, fall on hard times, mm-hmm. um, uh, find themselves in a situation where, you know, you put all your eggs in one basket and, you know, once, it, you know, uh, your career's up, it's hard to, to transition and come out of it. Uh, 
and uh, just not only CTE, you're talking about our older population, well, a mature population, I've stopped saying older, the guys get mad when I say that, the mature population, you know, it just, you know, maturing and getting up in age brings on a whole different set of things too, you know, and it's, and it's you know, and, and I don't want to say that, you know, that we're a special group, anything, but, you know, the body has been through a lot and things start breaking down, not only uh, <laughs> at an old age, but at a young age, you know, it's like your body has uh, been through a lot and, you know, you like aging, you know, 10 years before you should, you know, you wake up with all these aches, but, you know, all those things are challenges um, that we try to help our, our, our players get through. And, uh, you know, the whole concussion thing is still top of mind for a lot of the players. I want to end where we started back in at LSU. And over the last couple of weeks, there have been some really difficult stories um, coming out of the campus. Um, over the past year, it's been a very difficult time at LSU um, since the national championship. Yeah. Where you had the problems with player protests, um, and Ed Orgeron really having difficulty in communicating with his players about those things. Um, and then, of course, the Les Miles issues and the sexual assault um, allegations against multiple players and how the university dealt with those. As somebody who's a proud LSU graduate, yeah, yeah. how do these things impact you? And what kind of role do you take as a member of the football program and as, a, a, as an alumni um, of that institution. Yeah, let me let me first correct you. Um, I didn't graduate from LSU. I graduated from North Park University here in the Chicago. Um, it was the best route for me at that time without going back to Baton Rouge, but I still am proud to be uh, LSU football alum. Um, this, this is, <laughs> What's happened over the last couple of weeks and, and, and it's, it's very troubling to me, concerning to me, because LSU has a sort of a history now. Um, I don't know if we can't handle success. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but it, it, it seems like there's a disconnect there because we, 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 we can build a successful program, but we can't sustain it. Um, and I'm not trying to be like Alabama, I'm not trying to, but we can't sustain what we have. And so it's kind of it's kind of troubling to me and uh, to see us go through this now after winning this, this, I mean, having this historic season and, you know, to come out of it like this, it's like, man, uh, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? I still have uh, good friends that that uh, that work there. You know, uh, Verge Osbury played with him. Love the guy. That's my guy, man. Verge Osbury. Uh, Corey Raymond, defensive back coach there. I mean, I know those guys are stand up guys, and but it, it just troubles me because I. I, I Tell you the truth, I don't know the words to say about how to fix this. Uh, what I do know is that we got an opportunity to fix it. They better stop and try to get this right, you know. And uh, 
they need to get it right uh, because it's going to affect, you know, and, and the other thing, I don't understand, I don't understand. And I'm not, you know, I, 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 I've been in the locker room. I've been in the coach's locker room. I've, I've, I've coached it and I, and I, I get it. I, I know, I know the things that go on, but I, Last year, I don't understand how we fell off, why we fell off so much. Especially if we're supposed to be having the, the, some of the best recruiting classes over the last two or three years. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, well, we should have been developing these guys and we should have been plugging and playing and, you know, going and going. But it didn't happen. I know we lost a lot, but still we had some great recruiting classes. And to see how we ended up last year was very disappointing. It is. We it need. is. You're right. It is so strange that LSU, after those national championships, whether it was Knicks or Les or yeah, yeah. Coach O, each time there's been this drop off of a pretty significant level. I think part of that has been that LSU has not done a great job in developing quarterbacks over the years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in that time. But yeah, at the same time, yeah. like you said, the talent is supposed to be there. So why have you not had this Clemson type run, this Ohio state type run? You like you, said, yeah. you don't have to be bad man when five out of seven, right. you should be in the conversation. Like when Florida state was getting, was in the top five for 13 straight years. Yes. 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 And LSU is in a unique position. There's no in-state challenger. Arkansas certainly is not a challenge of the no. state. The state no. of Mississippi, you can steal any recruit you want from out of there if you really want to. Mm -hmm. And LSU mm -hmm. is a national brand. Everyone yeah. knows about LSU because LSU folks will tell you wherever they are. Exactly. 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 It's, but it's it's mystifying. It's all it's 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 very much that LSU has a lot of similarities to like an Auburn. And that Auburn oh. gets, has these one-off great years. Yes. And then yes, Auburn yes. falls back into this mediocre, yes. mediocrity. Yes, 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 yes. That 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 that's a great example. That's a great example. And and it's just I it's hard to I can't explain it. Um it, I don't know if it's you know, I I, I'm like, I'm like, well, is it kids are just transferring out now or is it, you know, is it, is it because we're losing the, the, the coaching staff or is it, you know, it's, it's just hard to see why we struggle in this area. And not only, not only we, we need to, we need to, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not judging. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I, we need to we need to clamp down on that stuff that's going on off the field, man. Yes. You know, uh, you know that that affects that that affects everything on the field, and you know we need to get a handle on that. And this is the time to do it. It's it's out there now. <laughs> you know, either you're gonna own up to it, or you're gonna you know try to go back to our old ways. Um, and you know, so I, I, hopefully they they make the right decision to. to to do the right thing and own up to it and, and, and go ahead and try to right this ship. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm wishing coach O and the, and the staff the best of luck. Uh, but they got to right the ship, man. You got, you know, and they, they've been around football long enough to know <laughs> that and just, it has to I mean, be as a, a human being, just, yeah, decent, yeah. Just yeah, decent just, people. yeah. It's the right thing to do, man. You got to do it, you know? So, you know, Lastly, 
Yeah. But as we've seen the, the player empowerment movement move into college now, and we see the mm. the licensing, which I, I still think only impacts a very small group of people. You would have done fine in your day if somebody let you go out and sign autographs. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be good. Mm-hmm. But still the average guy on your team, that old lineman from, you know, from small town in Louisiana, from Venice or something like that, yeah, yeah. backup guy, he ain't getting no money from that. No. And we know that the scholarship does not cover all your basic needs. We know that the scholarships are not four-year guarantees, that they are one-year renewable scholarships, and that your coach has the decision on whether or not that gets renewed. Whether you you could have showed up to every practice, every game, done your job, coach aside, I got a better prospect than you coming along, you ain't got no scholarship here. Yeah. yeah. Do you see yeah. unionization? And it's been tried once before. And a lot of people thought that the National Labor Relations Board got it wrong. Mm-hmm. But do you see unionization if, if eventually coming to college sports? Mm. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't think there will be. Um, because, I mean, the NCA is so freaking complicated. Uh, it's, it's not as clear cut as the NFL. <laughs> the NCAA is so freaking complicated. It's It governs not just football, basketball, gym, gymnasts. I mean, gymnastics, everything. It governs all of those sports. So it's just, just very complicated to do. But what I do, I, I do see is another league coming. And I know people have been trying to, but somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it right. I think the XFL is is going to try to do that. I I really think they're going to be the first ones to go after those prime 18 to 22 year olds to say, you don't want to go to school? Yep. Or do you want to go to online class and you can come and practice with professional coaches and get paid 50 grand to come do that 150 grand to come do this? Yep. And NFL coaches will say, and I think, I mean, that, hey, college coaches, ain't their job is not to prepare you for the NFL. They're teaching you no, how to win games no. for them. Exactly. Yeah, they're trying to protect their jobs, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was a college coach, too. So yes. I know you're trying to you're win. Just- so, so you can survive, too. You know, it's it's a challenge, man. So I, I think you're right. I, I think there's going to be a leak. Somebody's going to get it right. And these young kids and their parents, they're going to say, you know what? If you go here and you play, you got the same risk, right? Mm-hmm. Playing football, the risk is no different from, from playing for this this team over here that's going to pay you fifty thousand dollars, and this college that's going to give you an education. They say you can go back. You can always they say you can always go back. Yeah, you can go back. School ain't never closed. Yeah, it's never closed. <laughs> never. You can go back. <laughs> you can go back, and I I'll tell you what. If you go back. You'll be you'll be ready to go to school, like like I was, because when I was there, I mean I was there to play football, and I was just you know getting because I wanted to go to the next level. And that's when a choice that back, a lot of young men have to make. Yeah. Quite honestly, I mean you have yeah. if you don't invest every waking moment outside of your classroom time mm-hmm. to developing yourself as a player. Mm-hmm. You're being, like you said, you're being judged by your coaches, you're being judged by yep. your peers, and yep. you are judging yourself because that pressure from your family, from 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 within, all those things, yeah. 
Yeah. How can you have your mind completely devoted to being a student yeah. and living the yeah. life of a student, experiencing the the joys of being yeah. a student? Student, yeah. When you yeah. are really working right. 80, 100 right. hours a week on your craft. Right. right. And it is like, it, it, I'm sure you know it. It's, it's not for everybody. College, college is not for everybody. I mean, some people do well, I mean, and able to get on those two tracks and, and be the student athlete that they need to be. Some people, not so much. And that, and that sometimes the one that not so much has a lot of talent. And, you know, if they can take that talent to a league or something, you know, it's like, like what basketball does. I mean, just like with basketball, though. those guys go and play overseas. They go play these, and, and they come back and they play in the NBA and, you know, do well. So I, you know, so to ask your question, I don't think a union will happen. If it does, I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think one of these leagues is going to get it right. And, uh, you know. It's been, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I thank you so much for your time. Is there anything that you, you um, are an initiative or anything that you're working on that you want to give some publicity to right now or tell folks how they can keep up with some of the work you're doing? Uh, not really. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know I, I need to get better at my social uh, media stuff, man. I, I, I used to do Facebook. Don't do Facebook much anymore. I, I don't have an Instagram kids trying to tell me get on Instagram. <laughs> I do Twitter a little bit, but, uh, you know, uh, no, uh, LinkedIn, I do a lot. Right. So you can find me, you know, find, find out what I'm doing. That's how we found each other. Yeah, exactly. I do do LinkedIn. So other than that, man, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, living in Chicago, living the dream. Best, best of um, success to you with the things that you do with the Retired Players Association, with the NFLPA, and, and of course, in your, your professional career as well. Um, Appreciate it. This has just been a pleasure and an honor to, to speak with one of the, the, the greats. Same here, man. I thank you. Good luck to you on your show, man. I, again, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Wendell Davis, and I am David Grubb, and this has been another edition of the Garden Pass.